Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Raising a puppy to become a service dog by Joanna K. Zavallis. Last February, Belmont resident Jane Slavin ventured to Logan Airport to meet an eight-week-old black lab named Hershey. The young puppy was shipped to Boston from California by Canine Companions for Independence, a nonprofit organization which breeds, raises, and trains assistance dogs for people with disabilities. Slavin has volunteered to train Hershey, which means he will be under her care until August of 2019. Since day one, it's been her responsibility to care for Hershey as if he were her own including grooming and veterinary care. It is also Slavin's role to socialize Hershey, teach him basic manners, and train him to learn 30 commands, such as sit, down, know, speak, under, and turn. Slavin takes Hershey to a weekly training session with the New England Dog Training Club and also goes to a monthly training session which CCI has with other local puppy raisers. Outside the home, he is required to wear a gentle leader head collar, which functions like a halter on a horse. When Hershey is done with his training with Jane, he will be returned to CCI to undergo six to nine months of professional training, where he will learn skills such as opening drawers and doors, pulling a wheelchair, and turning lights on and off. When Hershey is done with his professional training, he will either assist an adult with physical disabilities by performing daily tasks, assist someone who is deaf or hard of hearing by alerting them to important sounds, work with clients with special needs in a visitation, education, criminal justice, or healthcare setting, or he will be a skilled companion for a child or adult with physical, cognitive, and developmental disabilities, according to Slavin. Hershey has adjusted well to living with her and her husband, Dan, with their two sons, Ben and Jake, and their golden retriever, Payson. Hershey has been an easy dog to have. We have we, uh, he has weaved his way into our family routine and gets along well with our pet dog, said Slavin. This is not the first time Slavin has volunteered to raise a puppy for CCI. In 2013, she was a puppy raiser for Gala, a yellow Labrador retriever who stayed with her family until the spring of 2015. Gala successfully completed her professional training and was placed at a facility at a faculty dog, as a facility dog at Gaylord Specialty Hospital in Connecticut. Seeing my first puppy achieve the goal of becoming a working dog was very motivating. Only 40% of the puppies in the program make it through the program, said Slavin. 
Slavin has said she has long admired service dog work and has the time and energy to raise a puppy for someone else. Puppy raisers get asked uh, all of the time, how can we give, uh, give our puppies up? We don't give our puppies up. We give our puppies too. There are many people out there who benefit from having a service dog, said Slavin. And now over to my colleague, Bob. Thank you, Bob. What it will take to reduce emissions. Belmont Energy Committee proposes steps to reach cap goal by 2050 by Lexi Peary. Residents are on their way to reducing carbon dioxide emissions as part of the goals set in the Climate Action Plan. But Energy Committee Chairman Roger Colton said it isn't enough. At the special town meeting on November 13th, Colton proposed four points to help the town reach the standard of lowering CO2 emissions by 80% by 2050. This standard was set in 2009 with the passing of the cap. Colton note, noted improvements the town have made since 2009, including creating the Energy Committee and the Belmont Better Homes Program. Since 2009, Belmont has claimed the title of the highest percentage of solar panel roofs in the Commonwealth, according to Colton. One of the improvements is that Belmont has the highest percentage of electric cars in any zip code in Massachusetts. Town meeting member Mary Ann Kazanjian, Precinct 6, said, This stat was a surprise. I don't see that many electric cars around, Kazanjian said. But I know my husband is interested in buying an electric car. Belmont is not only doing well, but better than any other community, Colton said. Despite the records and successes, we're not going to make it. We won't achieve our goal. A plan to reach goal. Colton presented four points to make it possible for the town to meet the cap goal of reducing emissions by 80% by the year 2050. First, 100% of Belmont Light's electricity generation must be emission-free, according to Colton. To do so, Belmont Light must agree to the proposal. Representatives of Belmont Light said, according to Colton, the department takes direction from the community. Belmont Light believes town meeting would be the best place to get that direction from residents. The second point Colton presented is 50% of new oil heating replacements must be heat pumps by 2025. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, heat pumps are energy-efficient alternatives to furnaces and air conditioners. Heat pumps use electricity to move hot and cold air and cold air. Colton's third point is that by 2030, 50% of newly purchased vehicles be electric. The final point presented by Colton states 50% of gas heating replacements should be heat pumps by the year 2032. Upon presenting those four points, Colton stressed that the first point must be met for the other points to follow. See you in seven months, Colton concluded at the end of his presentation. Town meeting members will vote on the proposal during the annual town meeting in the spring. In the meantime, the Energy Committee will be educating residents about the proposed points. And now on to my colleague, Max. 
Thanks, Bob. Local cable faces FCC threat. FCC rule could eliminate Massachusetts TV stations by Maria Paz Noyen. As snow scattered lightly across a sleepy Belmont, those inside Belmont Media Center in Waverly Square were busy. In the podcast studio, several impassioned students from Belmont High School hustled to get the latest episode of the Humble High School podcast ready. In Studio A, two brothers, Angelo and Felix Ferenz, patiently prepared for the next television broadcast of the Belmont Business Report. Their hard work represents some of what Belmont citizens will have to live without if the prospective Federal Communications Commission moves toward adopting a rule that that community television groups say would gut funding for public, educational, and governmental channels. The proposed rule, moving quickly toward regulatory approval, would allow major cable companies such as Verizon Fios, Comcast, Xfinity, and RCN to limit the amount of spending for community programming that has been negotiated as part of their licensing agreements with cities and towns across the country. Belmont and other similar communities around the country now face the wipeout of local news, according to Jeff Hansel, Belmont Media the Center's executive director. There are many critical questions to be considered in light of this new FCC rule, which will give large cable networks like Comcast and Verizon greater power to dictate how much they donate to local media. What happens if Belmont Media Center no longer exists? Who in the community stands to be affected and how? And who in Belmont will miss it when it's gone? Hansel believes community news is symbolic of the First Amendment. Quote, it's one of the last bastions of local free speech platforms, unquote, he said. This is not the first battle he's faced for the right of free speech. During Hansel's time studying radio and television at Miami University in Ohio, he ran an extracurricular film program. On two occasions, the school tried to shut it down after showings of politically controversial films, and according to Hansel, the students won both cases. It's something I've been preparing to fight all along, Hansel said. I saw the value of free speech. But for Belmont, a lot stands to be lost. Belmont Media Center is responsible for connecting residents to their local government. Gone would be the coverage of town meetings where important decisions like budget allowance, allowances and votes on new infrastructure would be aired. Gone would be any live broadcasts of debates between Belmont politicians during elections. Government officials r- rely on our operations for local governance, said Hansel. If we weren't here, it would be damaging to local government itself because we provide a fundamental communications link. And it's not just local government that will be affected by the new rule. Programs and education tools for other members of the community could face diminished funding. Belmont Media Center provides engaging activities for the town's seniors. We have equipment and staff at the Senior Center where we provide training and education, said Hansel. We also started a virtual reality video lab and we're using this as an activity that has some therapeutic value. Hansel also talks about the studio the center has built at Chenery Middle School, which is used every day by the students. They report the news of the day and use it for various curriculum. It's a teaching tool. Across the country, similar programs face tremendous loss if the new FCC rule passes. According to information provided by Giselle Barry, Communications Director for Senator Edward J. Markey, 
quote, there are more than 1,500 public educational and governmental studios, operations, and an estimated 3,000 PEG channels in America. Religious programming represents 30% of local access programming. Tens of thousands of hours of programming is produced by veterans, seniors, the disabled, and ethnic minority and second language groups, unquote. Those working at Belmont Media Center continue to encourage people to contact Congress members and senators like Markey in order to get their voices heard. Last month, Markey sent a letter signed by 10 other senators protesting the ruling. We fear the proposal will result in a dire drop in resources for PEG channels throughout the nation, the senators in the letter said. For now, the question of whether the FCC could put an end to local cable news remains unknown, but the potential consequences are drastic for those who work to enrich the community experiences in towns like Belmont. Quote, it will be upsetting to a lot of people who have assumed we would always be here because we're the community TV station providing all these services, unquote, said Hansel. The FCC accepted public comments on the rule change until November 14th, but there is a 30-day period for the public to reply to comments already made, which ends December 14th. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Is withdrawing from Minuteman the right choice? By Rachel Kelly. Superintendent John Phelan asked residents to reconsider Belmont's withdrawal from the Minuteman Regional Vocational Technical High School District in a presentation at special town meeting on November 13th. <coughs> Following Belmont's vote on October 2016 to withdraw as a member district to Minuteman, Phelan commissioned a working group to research the town's options following the impending withdrawal set to be effective on June the 30th, 2020. The group was comprised of school and town administrators, Belmont public school educators, town meeting members, parents, the Belmont representative to the Minuteman School Committee, and other community members. The working group was organized and chaired by Anthony DiColologero, Director of Finance for the Belmont Public Schools. After considering space, availability and enrollment, academic, social, emotional, and student life factors, as well as long-term sustainability and financial factors, the working group concluded that Belmont should continue as a member district of Minuteman to provide the best options for Belmont students pursuing CTVE, which is Career Vocational Technical Education Programs. Jim Camille, a uh, former Warrant Committee member and current town appointee to the Minuteman School Committee, participated in the working group. He said he was impressed by the comments made by the teachers and guidance counselors who are members of the working group. While Minuteman serves a relatively small group of Belmont students, it is an important and valuable option for those students who do attend, he said. And now over to Bob. Thank you, Bob. New opportunities for age-restricted housing and assisted living. Town meeting rezoned South Pleasant Street area by Joanna K. Tuvelis. Town meeting voted to rezone an area of South Pleasant Street to allow for 
age-restricted housing development and an assisted living facility. 2001, excuse me, 201 to 12 vote on the South Pleasant Street Overlay District makes six and a half acres at 800, 1000, and 1010 Pleasant Street, a local business one district. Stuart Cogger, owner and administrator of Belmont Manor Nursing Home, 34 Agassiz Ave, presented his idea to the planning board in July for an assisted living facility to be located at 1000 Pleasant Street, next to Star Market and behind Belmont Car Wash. Architect Andy Rojas, a former Belmont Planning Board member and selectman, presented the design. Cargo said Belmont Manor is the only long-term care provider in Belmont and has been serving the community for almost 51 years. Through a feasibility study, he learned people in Belmont like to stay in Belmont and sees a need to expand his brand to assisted living. Currently, there are no other assisted living facilities in Belmont. According to Cogger, the feasibility study showed the need in 2018 to be for 242 additional assisted living traditional beds and 141 memory care beds. The design presented by Rojas in July is a three-story, 32 feet high building, approximately 75,000 square feet with 30 parking spaces and 80 to 85 units. The first floor of the assisted living facility would offer services for residents such as hair and nail salons, therapy rooms, dining and gathering areas. The second floor would have traditional assisted living units, 400 to 600 square feet each. The units would be mostly studios, a few one-bedrooms with small kitchenettes, bathrooms, closets, and common areas for congregating. The third floor would be for dementia and memory care residents with an outdoor deck and common areas. And now to Max. Thank you, Bob. Belmont to reduce interest rate on property tax for eligible seniors by Sam Backerman. Town meeting members approved reducing the interest rate for eligible residents who are involved with the property tax deferral program at a special town meeting November 13th. Only needing a majority vote to pass, an overwhelming 216 voted in favor of the motion, while 21 opposed. As a result of the vote, the rate for eligible seniors will now be reduced from 8 to 4.5%. Chairman of the Board of Selectmen Adam Dash presented the article and voiced his support of approving the motion. He emphasized there will be no risk to Belmont since the town won't lose any money because it will be given back over time with interest. Seems like a win-win for everybody, he said. We're doing what we can to help low-income seniors stay in their homes and stay in the town. Dash also said he hopes this article will increase the number of residents benefiting from tax deferral. Since there are only 13 people currently using the tax deferral program, Dash believes now is an appropriate time for this article, especially since town meeting members had just approved the new Belmont High School proposal will cost over $295 million. Town Treasurer Floyd Carman, however, did not support this article. He believes there is a larger benefit to people who live outside of town 
like the children of elderly Belmont residents. We are deferring their taxes, not cutting checks, he said. The money goes to people that lived outside of Belmont. Roy Epstein, chairman of the Warrant Committee, acknowledged the Warrant Committee unanimously supported the property, the proposed reduction in the property tax rate because so few residents participate in the program. But Epstein cautioned that if the program expanded exponentially, it could suddenly open up a million-dollar cash flow problem for the town. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. <coughs> Underpass design funds approved by Carl Kicho. At the special town meeting November 13th, town meeting members voted 229 to 7 in favor of appropriating $400,000 of community preservation funds to design an underpass below commuter rail lines joining Alexander <coughs> Avenue and the Belmont High School property. This is the first phase in designing the Belmont Community Path, referred to as 1A. Chairman, uh, Selectman Chairman Adam Dash presented the article to town meeting members, including a timeline dating back to as far as 1983, when the town first began talking about the project. He said it will uh, benefit Precinct 8, the Winbrook neighborhood, by giving residents the ability to access the rest of town and preventing students from crossing the tracks. The Alexander Avenue underpass will be part of the Belmont community path connecting Waltham and Cambridge. Belmont has been a missing link in the vast network of community paths in Massachusetts. Long and tortuous, tortuous route indeed. This has been going on since 1983. Along the way, we have been moving a bit slowly so that we can have a, a path for the town, said Dash. Dash said that breaking up the path into smaller parts, like the Alexander Avenue underpass, will make the design process of the community path easier. Furthermore, Dash emphasized the benefits of the path for Belmont. It will create a linear park, which will be a recreational asset. It will reduce traffic congestion by offering alternative modes of access to the center of town. And it will improve public safety by preventing people from crossing commuter rail tracks. Additionally, he said, there are benefits to health and environment. According to State Senator William Brownsberger, construction of Belmont Community Path is now el eligible for state and federal funding, which will cover 90% of the costs. And now on to my colleague, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Committee given okay to move forward. Town meeting gives building committee for police, public works facility authority to move forward by Maria Paz Noyen. At the special town meeting November 13th, town meeting members echoed a unanimous aye to allow the current Public Works slash Belmont Police Department, DPW slash BPD, building committee to control and oversee the final stages of the renovation by granting the authority to enter into contracts and pay invoices. This is critical as we prepare to go out to bid on both projects said Anne-Marie Mahoney, chairman of the DPW-BPD Building Committee. Preceding the vote, Mahoney gave an upbeat report updating Belmont residents on the progress of the building projects. 
We're full speed ahead, she said. The committee appointed to the two projects is a joint group made of 11 members, including police chief Richard McLaughlin, fire chief David Frizzell, and director of community development Glenn Clancy. The committee's architect, Ted Galanti, won the most praise from Mahoney. She lauded his design creativity and abilities to overcome unforeseen obstacles on the renovation designs on both projects. With regards to the Public Works building renovation, Galanti oversaw and drafted dozens of designs, according to Mahoney. Ultimately, he managed to come up with an updated design for the facility that dodges an unforeseen sewer pipe running parallel to the building and a design that will not obstruct the community path and avoids the railroad. The project is set for completion in the winter of 2020. According to Mahoney, the schematic design for the police station renovations was slightly more problematic than that of public works. Completion has been pushed back to summer of 2020 because of how extensive the project will be. The police will have to relocate temporarily, temporarily to the town hall auditorium during construction. Valenti has been able to create an updated police station that solves many of the issues with the original structure, said Mahoney. Spacious locker rooms will be available for both genders, as well as new holding cells, safe and secure entry, and booking space for prisoners on the ground floor. The architect was also able to add an elevator to the building, making it handicap accessible. Now back to Bob. I'm sorry, back to Max. Thank, thank you eventually, Bob. <laughs> Town meeting vote to limit recreational marijuana zoning by Ellie French and Till Caselin. Recreational marijuana has officially been zoned in Belmont with its sale limited to a district on Pleasant Street just under a mile long. Town meeting voted in favor of the measure 207 to 14, easily surpassing the two-thirds majority that it needed for approval. The measure was also unanimously supported by the Board of Selectmen and the Planning Board. Quote, if you had asked me 50 years ago when I lived in Berkeley, California, whether I thought I'd be in a town meeting in Belmont in 2018 talking about this, I would have wanted to know what you were smoking, said Steve Pinkerton, Vice Chairman of the Planning Board. Pinkerton said over the past few months, the planning board has been tasked with looking into three basic questions. Where would recreational marijuana be zoned? What would the buffer zones be? And how would the permitting process work? As a result of the September special election, just two retail stores will be allowed to open in Belmont. But Pinkerton said their research has shown this area provides, quote, ample room, unquote, even for two relatively similar stores with relatively similar products. The measure upholds the state's 500-foot buffer zone between dispensaries and schools, though the Pleasant Street zoning provides plenty of distance in and of itself. As an additional restriction to keep marijuana out of the hands of teenagers, the age limit to buy recreational marijuana in Belmont is 25. Store hours are also limited 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. by town bylaw. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Bob and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We wish our listeners a happy Hanukkah. We will return next week for another edition 
of local news happenings around Belmont.